Heavenly Father, we give to you thanks and praise for your goodness and your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you speak. You are not a silent God. And oftentimes we wonder, Lord, why aren't you speaking to us? All we need to do is open the word. And there we hear your voice. And there we receive what we need to hear. Uh, for today and for eternity. So we thank you, Lord, that you speak to us today. So I pray that as your word is read and sung and preached today, that our hearts would be open to receive it. And then as our, our hearts are open to receive it, that you would do that gracious work in our lives of transforming us and that we would go from this place to serve you, to be your witnesses. So, Heavenly Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would uh, move within this congregation through your word this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I invite you to please stand out of respect for the reading of God's word as we read our gospel lesson today. From Mark chapter 3, beginning with verse 20. Then he went home, and the crowd gathered again, so that they could not even eat. And when his, that is Jesus' family, heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebub, and by the prince of demons he casts out demons. And he, that is Jesus, called them to him and said to them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed he may plunder his house. Truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man, and whatever blasphemes they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. He is guilty of an eternal sin. For they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him. And they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And he answered them, Who are my mother and brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Today we're going to answer the question, an unforgivable sin? An unforgivable sin? Is there an unforgivable sin? So we take today, really I'm taking two verses as our text today. So let's reread two verses from chapter 3 again, and Ian has those on the screen for us. So first of all, let's read Mark 3:28. This is good news. I, I like this verse. This verse says, truly I say to you, all sins will be forgiven. Isn't that good news? All sins will be forgiven. The children of man, that, that's you. 
and whatever blasphemes they utter. Isn't that good news to hear? All sins will be forgiven. Amen. But now let's look at verse 29. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Have I committed this sin? Whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness. What harsh words. They're true words, but they're harsh words. And these are words that have caused many people to be anxious in their relationship with God. They say, God, have I committed the unpardonable sin? God, am am I too far gone that I can't possibly be saved? Dear Jesus, is my sin so great that there's no way that I can have eternal life in heaven? Has my sin so blasphemed the Holy Spirit that I'll be damned for eternity? Let me give you assurance today. Let me give you good news today. And I've had people, they've come to me and they've thought, there's no way that I can be saved. There's no way that I can be saved. Let me me give you assurance today. If you're worried, if you're worried that you've committed the unforgivable sin, I can guarantee you that you have not committed the unforgivable sin. If you're worried about it, you haven't committed that sin for which there is no forgiveness. You see, people who have hardened their hearts to the point of blaspheming the Holy Spirit, they don't care if they've committed the unpardonable sin. People who have so severely calloused their hearts towards Jesus, they could care less. They could care less about the unpardonable sin or any sin for that matter. So if you've ever wondered, Am I so far gone that I can't be saved? Don't worry. Salvation, eternal life, the declaration of the forgiveness of sins is yours today. It is yours. And actually, if you're worried about your sinfulness, if you're concerned about your sinfulness and your salvation, that's proof that the Holy Spirit is actually doing a work in your life. Because one of the primary works of the Holy Spirit is to convict the world of sin. So if you don't feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, if you don't feel the brokenness uh, that you you have in your life because of sin, then, then maybe there's a problem. If you never come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and if you're not broken over your sin, that, that's, that's a problem. So feeling sorrow over sin, being broken by your sin, that's a good sign. That means the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your heart. And then it's at that point, when when the Holy Spirit brings you under the weight of conviction, then the Holy Spirit can bring to you the, the sweet word of assurance that comes from the gospel that your sins are forgiven. And it isn't until we come to that point where we're broken, saying, Lord, I am a sinner. 
that the Holy Spirit then can assure us and say, you are my child. You are forgiven. I'm a good, good father to you. So today, you who repent of sin, those of you with repentant hearts, and those who who trust in Jesus alone, who believe the gospel, you have the, the absolute assurance of your forgiveness and salvation. So hear the good news again. You are forgiven. Do you come in here with a guilty conscience? Do you come in here feeling the weight of your sin? Hear the good news of the gospel. Your sins are forgiven because Jesus died on the cross. He shed his blood. He rose again from the dead. And you are forgiven. So how did, how did these, these Jewish leaders, whom Jesus is referring to in, in our gospel lesson today, how did these Jewish leaders harden their hearts to such an extent that Jesus had to speak this harsh word of warning? What had happened in the life of these scribes and of these Pharisees and of these religious leaders? What had happened in their heart? So we need to actually look at the context of Mark's gospel up until this point. In Mark's gospel, the first run-in that the Jewish clergy had with Jesus, the first time they butt heads, was when Jesus was teaching in a house. And do you remember the story? So many people had gathered around that there was no more room in the house. And so Jesus is teaching the people in the house And then there were four friends who brought their friend who was a paralytic to Jesus. And they couldn't get their friend into the house because there were so many people crowding around. So the friends, they they come up with a brilliant idea. They say, let's climb up on the roof. Let's remove the roof and then we can lower our friend down to where Jesus is. What a great idea. That takes bold faith, friends. <laughs> and is Jesus, just this isn't the sermon today, but is Jesus calling you to do that for a friend who needs the Lord? That's not the sermon, though. Anyway, they, they, they lower their friend down to Jesus, and what four words does Jesus speak? Or what was the first thing that Jesus said? Raise your hand if you remember the very first thing that Jesus said. Jesus said, the very first words Jesus said is, son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Those four words, your sins are forgiven, absolutely angered the religious leaders. Absolutely angered the religious leaders. They said, who can forgive sins but God alone? So this is the first run-in. This is the first time uh, that the scribes begin to harden their hearts. Rather than than rejoice that God has sent his one and only son, the Messiah, to release those held in slavery to sin, instead of rejoicing that Messiah has arrived, they begin to harden their hearts. Rather than soften their hearts and receive forgiveness from Jesus, the scribes Don't soften their hearts to Jesus. They harden their hearts to Jesus. And they should have known. They're the scribes, right? They were experts in the Old Testament. They should have known that Jesus was and is the Messiah, the Son of God, whose miracles are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit. But they didn't believe. 
hardness of heart led to Jesus' sharp words of warning in Mark 3, 20, 29. And then we go to Mark 2, verses 15 through 17, and this is another run-in that Jesus had with uh, the scribes. Here we have a, a picture on the screen of Jesus hanging out with notorious sinners. Jesus hung out with tax collectors and people who were known for their sinfulness. And what do the religious leaders think? They thought, man, Jesus is hanging out with sinners and tax collectors. What kind of guy is this? And they fail, they fail to recognize that Jesus came to save sinners. That that is the purpose of Messiah, was to come to release sinners from the prison of sin. So here... As Jesus hangs out and, and spends time with, with sinners, they, they, they continue to harden their hearts. The religious leaders, instead of saying, rejoicing, saying, finally there, 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 is, there is a rabbi who has come that, that is received by sinners, and, and, and they listen to his message, instead they harden their hearts. So their hearts are becoming more and more hard. First of all, the... The words, your sins are forgiven, was the first in Mark's gospel. And then in Mark's gospel, Jesus is spending time with notorious sinners. Then we go to Mark 2, 25 through 27. And as they're traveling along, the disciples were plucking heads of grain. They would probably pluck the heads of grain and then rub the grain in their hands like this and blow the, the chaff away, and then they would pop the, the fruit of the grain in their mouth. And, but the Pharisees didn't like this. They, they didn't like this because they were doing this on the Sabbath. And on the Sabbath, you're not supposed to thresh grain. And then Jesus declared himself as Lord, listen to this, Lord of the Sabbath. Lord of the Sabbath? Who are you? So the Pharisees continue to harden their hearts. And then we come to Mark chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And in Mark chapter 3, 1 through 6, Jesus healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. And actually, they, they, they were there watching Jesus to see if he would perform a miracle on the Sabbath because they believed that if he performed a miracle on the Sabbath, he'd be guilty of breaking the Sabbath. And it was in this account that Jesus said, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? <laughs> they couldn't answer that. But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at what? Grieved at their what? Hardness of heart. Grieved at their hardness of heart. And said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out. And his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately held counsel with the Herodians against him how to destroy Jesus. You see here the progression of a hardness of heart. And then we come to today's gospel reading from the end of Mark chapter 3. The Pharisees could not deny that Jesus had authority to cast out demons. It was evident to the Pharisees that Jesus had authority to deliver people from demonic oppression and possession. So they reasoned. And they said, he is possessed by Beelzebub. 
How does he have this authority to cast out demons? Well, he's possessed by Beelzebub, and they say by the prince of demons he casts out the demons. And Jesus said, that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. If Satan is divided against himself, he can't stand. A kingdom divided against itself, a house divided against itself cannot stand. You're ridiculous, guys. What ridiculous reasoning. And then he declared that he is, Jesus is, the one stronger than Satan. That he is that stronger man who bound Satan, who defeated our ancient enemy once and for all. So the religious leaders had been hardened uh, in their hearts. This hardening of their hearts against Jesus was an ongoing process. And finally, Jesus proclaimed the truth that failing to trust in him as God's son and failing to recognize that his works, that his miracles are a manifestation of the Holy Spirit leads to a hardness of heart, which may lead to, to severing oneself off from the ability to be touched by God's grace. It's like they were building a callus on their hearts. You know, calluses can be a good thing, right? Calluses, ask a guitar player, they like their calluses on their fingers, right? And if you're working out doing manual labor, you, you begin to like your, your calluses because they protect, protect your hands from, from uh, painful blisters. But a calloused heart, a calloused heart, that's a dangerous thing. A calloused heart towards God and towards Jesus is a dangerous thing. So two words of warning today. Number one, don't harden your hearts, church. Don't harden your hearts. And then number two, another word of warning. Never be the judge of those you think have committed the unpardonable sin. It's not our job to point out those we believe can never be saved. Really interesting, as I was preparing the sermon, I heard the story uh, on Friday from our director of international missions, Dan Vimberg. He used to serve as a missionary in Chad, Africa. Now he serves as the director of our international missions department. He now oversees missionaries in Chad, Africa. And he told the story of a uh, Muslim. And this was a, I guess we could call him a Muslim evangelist. If you can, I don't think you can call him an evangelist because an evangelist preaches good news. Um, but anyway, just to kind of explain, he was a Muslim that was, was out to convert people to Islam. So a, a Muslim evangelist. And, and when Dan was a missionary in Chad, uh, this, this, this Muslim tried really hard to convert Dan to Islam. And so they would have long conversations that probably started out, he said, with, with arguments, and then there was a mutual respect. And, but anyways, these, uh, th these discussions about Islam and Christianity continued between Dan Vinberg and, and, this, uh, and this Muslim gentleman. And uh, Dan Vinberg was thinking, you know, if anybody isn't going to be saved, it's going to be this guy. Well, recently, Dan went back to Chad, and he was blown away. This Muslim pulled him aside, whispered in his ear, and said, I've come to believe. I've come to believe that Jesus died 
and is risen and is Savior. What a miracle. What a miracle. God is good. We should never be the judge of those who think that they have committed the unpardonable sin. Never believe for a second that Jesus is unwilling to soften your heart or the heart of a friend um, or the heart of a family member. How many of you have people in your life and you think, oh, that person is never going to receive Christ? That person could never be saved. Never be the judge of those you think have committed the unpardonable sin. Look at the life of Saul of Tarsus. He went around uh, trying to destroy the church, and Jesus softened his heart and went into his life and completely transformed his life. So know this, that Jesus is always present in the power of the gospel to turn sinners back to himself, to soften hearts so that they too can come to believe in him. So don't harden your hearts. Let Jesus do his work in and through you. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the truth of the gospel today. Lord, I pray that we would really take seriously and take to heart uh, the reality of where we're at with you right now. And Lord, I pray that we would also, in faith, trust that it's through you alone. It's by grace through faith, not of ourselves, that you're the one who comes to us, dead in trespasses and sins, as hard as a rock. And through the word of the gospel, you begin to soften and to make us pliable and to open us up. So Lord, if there's anyone here today, if there's anyone here today who needs, who needs Jesus, who needs that work in their hearts, Lord, I pray that you would soften their hearts. And I pray that they would receive you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.